chapter 11 and verse 1. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous. But the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Father, bless the reading of your word. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would speak through me, that I would just preach the very word you have given me. Lord, I know that there are many distractions at this time of the year. And I know that, Lord, that there are so many things going on in our culture and our land that we can easily be shaken. But, Lord, let us be still today and know that you're God. Let us rest in your power and in your word. And, Lord, I just pray this morning that your spirit will come and shake this place, that you'll move us uh, from our complacency, move us from our lethargy, our apathy. Lord, put us on fire for you, that we might see you do great and mighty things. God, as it's already been prayed, if there's one here this morning that's not saved, we're asking you to save that soul. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you very much, church. In our text this morning, the psalmist David is writing almost a lament. In this lament, he is contemplating on fleeing to the mountains because the wicked has come upon him. But in the midst of the psalm, he says ultimately the wicked will be dealt with with the Lord. The Lord will take care of the wicked. He will take care of them. He will judge them. But the Lord is going to try His righteous or His saints. He's going to try them. And he asks this question right in the middle of the text. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do? In other words, David knows as we all should know, that God is not going to use the world in a revival. God's going to use His people when they get right with Him to cause change. It's always been His people. It's the primary focus of the church today. If the foundations be destroyed. It doesn't take too much intelligence to see that our foundations have been destroyed in our land. Wicked people are poised for attack. Christianity is beginning to come under attack and it's going to grow more uh, prevalent in the upcoming future. Some of the freedoms that we have enjoyed are going to come under attack. One good, one good thing is, uh, one, one time there was a, a town that asked for a manuscript of the pastor to view what he was preaching for hate speech. They asked for a mine, they're not going to get one because I don't write a manuscript. That's a good reason not to write one because, amen, those have to come to church if they want to hear what we're saying. 
But listen, the wicked are poised for attack. There's attack on Christianity. There's attack on the home. There's attack on marriage. There's attack on morality. The foundations of society have been destroyed. It's always been the Judeo-Christian law that has kept society civil. And now it's under attack. Listen to what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We are in the day when men call good evil and evil good. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5, and I won't go through all of them, but it tells us this, know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Then he goes on and lists all those characteristics. If you go through and look at the characteristics, you will see that we are here. Perilous times has come. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Bible is crystal clear that it is only going to get worse. My question is, what are we to do about it? Revival has to begin with us. And the psalmist says, and as he asks this question, if the foundations be destroyed, what are the righteous going to do? What are we going to do? He didn't ask what's the world going to do, but what are the righteous going to do? It's up to us to make a difference. God wants to use the church in this day more than just filling the pews, more than just having a name for ourselves, more than all this stuff. He wants to change lives. He wants to save sinners and make disciples. And He's chosen us. He's chosen us as the vehicle to do that in this day. So what can we do? There's three things we can do, and again, I only get to the first one. The first thing we can do is be filled with the Spirit. The second thing we can do is be fruitful. And the last thing we can do is be faithful. Now, I'm only going to get through the first one this morning. The first thing we can do is be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, listen to me. Being filled with the Spirit is foundation to, foundational to what any Christian would ever do. Before you ever step into a class to teach, before you ever get on the bus to drive the bus, before you ever do anything, we are to be filled with the Spirit of God. We're to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's foundational to everything we do. One of the reasons the church is losing ground is because we are operating in the flesh and we're not filled with the Spirit of God. We would rather go to seminars that make us feel better about ourselves where we all just hold hands like candles and make sure that we all are encouraged. But listen to me. That doesn't change anybody. That's important. Being encouraged is important. But it doesn't take the place of being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? Do you know three times in the Bible there's a comparison made between a drunk man and a spiritual man? Three different places. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but in contrast to that drunk man, be filled with the Spirit. How many of you remember John the Baptist? He was a wild preacher. 
Matter of fact, he lost his head because he preached. He wasn't afraid to call out sin. This was written of him in Luke chapter 1 and verse 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. There's the comparison. He's not going to drink, but he's going to be filled. In Acts chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, you know the great phenomenon that's happening. Look at verse 15. For, there are, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing as but the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken to the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now why does the Bible, in three different passages of Scripture, make the comparison of drunk men to spirit-filled men? It's easy. A drunk man is controlled by another power. So is the spirit-filled man. He is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Listen, you have all of the Spirit of God. But my question is, does the Spirit of God have all of you? You have all the Spirit. You got the Spirit when you believed in Jesus Christ. He came into your life. He took up residence in your heart and your life. And He lives inside of you. What you see, He sees. Where you go, He goes. What you say, He knows. The question is not, are we going to get more of the Holy Spirit? The question is, is the Holy Spirit going to get more of us? Are you controlled by the Spirit of God? Notice number one, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not a memo saying, hey, if you try this, it might work for you. No, it is a command. And I submit to you that in the language, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18... In the Greek, it is actually, it's an imperative, it's a command, it's an absolute command. And if I tell you this, how many of you believe that if it's a command in Scripture, if you don't obey it, then it's sin? You're all starting to scare me. You may be asleep. I know more of you believe the Bible than that. If it's a command in Scripture, and we are not obedient unto it, then we are sinning. Too many have become comfortable in the sin of the absence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. We have become comfortable operating in our flesh, doing what only we can accomplish in the flesh. Many of the sins in the church are not sins. They're merely symptoms of the real sin. You have a problem tithing. You have a problem reading your Bible, not being faithful to church. You have a problem gossiping. You have a problem doing various things. That's not your problem. That's a symptom of the problem. If you were filled with the Spirit, these things would not be a problem. So the root cause is we're not filled with the Spirit of God. And the problem, the real problem is, is it don't even bother us anymore. We've become comfortable in not being filled with the Spirit of God. We've become comfortable in giving God leftovers. And what's second best? Are you comfortable in the sin of not being filled with the Spirit? Not only is it a command, there are some conditions. There are some conditions that must be present in our lives if we're going to be filled with the Spirit of God. Would you go with me to John chapter 7, please? John chapter 7. Wonderful passage that we begin and it helps us to understand this a little better. John chapter 7 and verse 37. 
and I, I don't know why I'm saying this. It's not a rabbit trail. What we're doing in our land today is we're posting little clever memes by so-called theologists thinking that we're spiritual when we're really, we're really tearing down the church. I don't care what some guy says that's got a name this long and all these letters after his name. That doesn't impress me. What impresses me is when someone takes this, the Word of God and, and uses that as a message. Then we'll talk. Amen. Too many people are basing their theology on what someone else says. I'm getting excited about throwing my glasses. Better put them on, haven't I? Uh, too many people are getting their theology from someone else. They're not going to the source, the Word of God, and getting their theology, and we're all messed up. Is there any reason why our salvation decisions has declined in our land today? You know, the Southern Baptist Convention last, uh, I think it was 2018, baptized the least amount since like the 60s or somewhere around there. They're being divided by man's doctrine. And they're following all this. And no, we're finally doing it right, preacher. Come on, man. We're not filled with the Spirit of God. 37. He says... In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, notice this, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is teaching them. And He says, if you thirst, if you thirst, guys, we have lost our desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first condition is we've got to desire it. We don't desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to work in our own labor. We want to do what we want to do. We don't want to submit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet He says, He tells us there, that if we that believe if we will thirst, if we will thirst and we have that desire to be filled with the Spirit, He'll give us that Spirit. Have you ever been thirsty? Now I'm talking about thirsty. Most of us, we've never really, really, really been thirsty. I mean, we've been you know, a little thirsty where we need a drink. But we've never been where our lips are cracking and our tongue is swelling and our throat is so dry we can't even swallow. We've never been in that condition. Guys, listen to you, to me. We, somehow, some way, we've got to get back to where Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is more important to us than having our next drink of water or having our next breath. We need to have that desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to stop playing church. Aren't you tired of playing church? Is anybody else with me? Aren't you tired of just going through the motions? Don't you want to see the power of God in your life? Don't you want to see what God can do when you're totally surrendered to Him and filled completely with His Spirit? Do you desire it? Do you desire it? One of the primary reasons many Christians are not filled with the Spirit is that they don't want it. You just don't want it. You say, preacher... You just don't know what's going on in my life. Do you think maybe your life would be better if you would get filled with the Spirit? 
And you were walking in the power of the Spirit. Do you think maybe your life is the way it is right now because you're not filled with the Spirit? And you're commanded to be filled with the Spirit? But you're okay walking in that sin? It doesn't bother you anymore? We need to get to the spout where the glory comes out. We need to get to the place where we want the filling of the Spirit more than we want comfort and complacency. Number two, faith. Faith. Do you really believe God will fill you with the Spirit? Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And then in the very next verse, he says, He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Believing. We don't want to talk about believing because everybody's arguing what believing means. Believing means believe. It means to trust. Do you trust? Do you believe that God will fill you with His Spirit? Do you believe it? See, we have more faith in what we can do and our ability to believe than we do in Him. We're arguing about the wrong thing. Listen to me. Faith, faith is believing without seeing. A weak bridge and a strong faith will get you wet. A strong bridge and a weak faith will get you to the other side. It's the object of our faith. Who is our faith in? Not in my ability to do anything. My faith is in what He has promised me in His Word. I'm taking Him at His Word. He is the object of faith. I'm trusting Him to fill me with the Spirit of God. And so based on that, I'm going to desire it. I'm going to long for it. I want God to fill me with His Spirit and I believe that He'll do it. I've got to clear the clutter so He can do it. Guys, I ask you again, don't you get tired of just... If Christianity were just an organization that we just did this, wouldn't it be foolish? Wouldn't it be mundane? So many Christians I talk to pray, pray for me, Pastor, I've just lost my joy. You know why you've lost your joy? Because you're not filled with the Spirit. And I have gotten to the place in my life where I'm so sick and tired of making people feel good about themselves because I'm afraid to harm their psyche. Maybe your psyche needs to be harmed. Can I say amen? amen. amen. Has anybody ever watched Doc Martin on PBS? That guy's incredible. He'll tell people, they'll be talking, he'll say, stop talking. And he'll tell them, I mean, he's just so refreshing. He just says the truth. He just speaks the truth. And people come to me and they'll say, Pastor, you know, I'm... I've just lost my joy. You know why you lost your joy? Because you didn't lose it, you misplaced it. You think your joy is going to come in all this stuff you have and all these experiences you're having. It ain't. Joy cometh from the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So many anemic Christians running around because they're not filled with the Spirit and they think that, that the church is against them and everybody's against them. No, nobody against you. You're doing it to yourself. You're doing it to yourself. C.H. Spurgeon said this, and I wrote it down because I thought it was brilliant. When you meet together, pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will be there. If you pray and He is not there, dismiss the congregation and pray that He will be there next Sunday. That's pretty good, isn't it? I put it after the offering. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. Listen. 
Do you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit? And then lastly, I would say this. Ask. Just ask Him. Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. If ye be then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? James chapter 4 and verse 2. You have not because you ask not. Many Christians will die and go to heaven as mediocre Christians. Never, ever experiencing what God wants to do in your life. Never seeing God do something great. Never, ever, ever doing anything even good for God. Have you asked God to fill you with His Spirit? Teachers, before you go and teach your class, do you stop and ask God to fill you with His Spirit? Preachers, before you preach, do you stop and ask God to fill you with His Spirit? Bus drivers, before you, before you get on the bus and drive, do you ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit? Awana workers, even if it's game time, or even if it's serving food, do you ask God to fill you with His Spirit before you do it? No, we don't. We just jump in and do it. We're operating in the flesh, and we can't understand why we have only fleshly results. I'll tell you why. We're not filled with the Holy Spirit. One preacher said, If the Holy Spirit is there, it doesn't matter who's preaching. If the Holy Spirit is not there, it doesn't matter who's preaching. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. Have you asked Him for it? Have you asked Him for it? Now listen to me. There are some hindrances. There are some things that hinder His filling us with His Spirit. The first thing is sin, what I call walking in the flesh. Guys, you can't win at the game of sin. No matter how little you think the sin is, how insignificant it seems, God will bring it to light. Number says, be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. Oh, it might not be today, but it will come out. God is going to shine His light on it. He is going to magnify it. He is going to show it. And one of the things that keeps us from being filled with the Spirit is we are walking in the flesh, participating in sin. We're not allowed to preach about sin anymore. All the quarterlies and annuals that preachers used to read to encourage one another, they all say that you have to be positive. I like what one preacher said. He was going to preach and they said, we want you to... To preach, and and we don't want you to mention sin. We want you to be positive. We don't want you to preach against sin. We want you to be positive. And he got up in the pulpit and he said, Hey, when they invited me here to preach, they told me to preach positive. And so I'm going to preach positive. I am positive I'm against sin. And he began to preach. We don't want to talk about sin. Why? Because we don't want anybody to know we sin. You know, in any church, any good Godly church where the Word of God is being preached all across the land. Preachers will preach and people will respond and say, I know I'm not where I need to be. And they won't respond to the invitation because they're so afraid of what someone might think of them. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something right now. I would rather fear what God thinks of me than what you think of me. Tom Malone used to say about men crying, he said it would do some of you men some good to cry. It might wash away some of the pride. 
Sin walking in the flesh. There's another thing that keeps us from being filled with the Spirit. It's what I call slothfulness. It's walking in indifference. You want to know why? A lot of Sunday school teachers never study through the week and they open their quarterly when they get to church? Because they're indifferent to the message. You want to know why Christians don't witness and share their faith with lost people and they know they're lost and they know they're dying and going to hell and they don't share the faith with them? You know why? Because they're indifferent to the gospel message. And we come into church and we raise our hand and we say, Jesus is preeminent in my life, but the fact of the matter is we're indifferent to the message. Number three, what I call sedentary. We're walking in laziness. Guys, let me tell you something. It's easy on a rainy day like today, after the week many of you have had, to stay at home and not want to come to church. It's easy to justify over the holiday season, well, you know, we've been so busy, I think I'll just, I think I'll just not drive the bus tonight. I think I'll just take a day off and relax. I've been so busy. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I just don't want to get burned out. And I think, man, you ain't, you're here one time a week. How in the world are you going to get burned out? It's not my fault you're doing everything else out in the world. And, I, you know, as one guy told me, I would rather burn out than rust out. Why? You're still out. That makes about as much sense as I don't know what. I'd rather burn out than rust out. Well, that's stupid. You're out either way. Christians have become lazy. We have become lazy. How many of you have been saved for 20 years or longer and in church? How many of you have seen a difference in 20 years ago until today? <laughs> yeah. Big difference. Big difference. And I tell you, what we need to do is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now listen to me. The devil don't care that you teach your class. Now hear me out. The devil don't care if I preach. The devil don't care if you sing a special or the devil don't care if you drive a church van or you do anything. When the devil starts caring is when you start getting filled with the Spirit. Because you can be doing all those things in the flesh and not giving any, any concern to the power of God. But when you surrender and God fills you with His Holy Spirit and you get on fire... The devil's going to take notice. I can tell you this, guys. He said there in that psalm, it said, He trieth the righteous. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do such and such. Okay, praise the Lord. And I, Now listen to me. You're going to be tested. I'm going to tell you, once you step up and say, I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to serve, I'm going to, you're going to be tested. And it's not so that God knows if you're worthy or not. He knows that. It's so you can learn. So you can be tried by fire and come forth as gold. So you can be used of God mightily. We're soft. Hot water. One guy said, hot indoor plumbing has made us soft in America. Hot water's made us soft. We're not tough. We're big wimps. And we'll serve God if it's convenient. We'll serve God if it fits in our narrative. We'll serve God if it benefits us. But don't cross the line, preacher. Don't ask me to sacrifice. Don't ask me to surrender. Don't ask me to give an extra day to the Lord. Don't ask me to give a little bit of time to the Lord. 
Hey, you don't have to explain anything to me. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. You tell Him. Don't tell me. Be filled with the Spirit. The devil doesn't mind us doing all these things. What he minds is when we're filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Why do we need to be filled with the Spirit of God? I'll tell you why. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, God wants to do a spiritual work, church. God wants to do a miracle in the midst of us. Now listen to me. There's no greater miracle than a Savior, a, a sinner being turned into a saint. There's no greater miracle than a, a, a someone who's without Christ, dying and on their way to hell, dead in their trespasses and sin, and they turn to faith in Jesus Christ, and they believe in Him for their eternal salvation, and God has changed them from death unto life. That is the greatest miracle. Jesus said, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and into all Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. you see that? You're not going to be a witness until you receive the power. And may I say to you, the indication that our numbers are dropping in salvation is an indicator that we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. If you were called home today and you stood before Jesus Christ and you looked at His his scars, you saw His face, and you looked at Him, could you in confidence stand and say boldly, Lord, I did all I could for you. I was sought to be filled with the Spirit. I wanted to be filled with the Spirit. I wanted so badly that I was willing to do anything. I believed you could do it. I asked you to do it. And you did it. I was filled with the Spirit. And man, I ran with it. I ran with it. Guys, God wants to do something supernatural through us. I appreciate the people at the ball games holding up John 3.16 signs, but it's more than that. We are told that when Tim Tebow wrote John 3.16 on his uh, eye black, that that was the most Googled thing at the time. That's all great. But Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you, not Google... Not a sign, not a bulletin board, and if they come to faith in that, by hearing the message on that, praise God. But God wants us to be His witnesses. And listen, He doesn't, it's not just about going out one night a week, it's about wherever we are. Last two times I've been called to come and visit someone, and an 80 year old lady received Christ as her Savior. And a 70, mid-70s, late 70s man received Christ as his Savior on December the 15th. On December the 25th, he went home to be with Jesus. Why are we not? I'll tell you why we're not. Because we're not filled with the Spirit and it don't bother us. It doesn't bother us. We'll go home and we'll watch football today. We'll go home and we'll do our activities and we'll say, and everybody, you know, oh, it's good, good church service, good church service. Listen to me. Enough with that. Let's get on fire for Jesus. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what do I do if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit? Confess. Confess. Confess your sin. Jesus already knows you're not. And pretty much everybody else knows you're not. 
So what do we do? We come clean. Enough of this praying, Dear Lord, forgive me of all my sins. That's cheap. God, forgive me for neglecting being filled with your Holy Spirit when you've promised me I can have it. Confess it. God, I'm not filled with your Holy Spirit. I'm getting filled with this world and I don't like it. And I'm sorry. And after you confess, you repent. See, confession and repentance are not the same thing. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance keeps us from doing it again. Repentance is I'm going this way and God gets a hold of me. I hear the message. I change my mind and because I've changed my mind, I'm going back in this direction. It changes my conduct. That's repentance. I'm going away from the world. I'm going to you. I'm going away from being filled with the world. I'm going to be filled with you. And you surrender. Stop fighting. You know why you're miserable? Because God's been dealing with you and you're fighting it. And the more you fight it, the more miserable you're going to be. You're not going to win. I can save you a lot of heartache and trouble right now. Stop fighting. Come and surrender. Fall down. Before Him, confess, repent, and ask God to fill you with His Spirit. And He will. He will. We need in our church today, and if we're ever going to have a revival, we need some Spirit-filled men and women. Preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't care what you're going through. God's Word didn't say be filled with the Spirit unless you're going through this. No, God's Word says be filled with the Spirit. You, let, you get filled with the Spirit, let Him take care of this. You don't know my past. I don't care about your past. Paul says that he was the chief of sinners. He persecuted the church. But God changed him. He, he killed people. He presided over it. He ordered Christians to die. And God got a hold of him and changed him. And then in, near the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Well, preacher, it's just not a good time in my life. When's going to be a good time? When is it going to be a good time? There'll never be a good time. Stop right now. Confess, repent, be filled with the Spirit of God. Would you bow with me in prayer?